Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And on today's episode, I've got a good one for you. I had the pleasure of interviewing Jenny Wing, who has a estate planning practice here in Seattle, Washington. And in today's conversation, we discuss different myths around estate planning. We discuss different priorities that you should look at when you're having and setting up the legal documents and different mistakes that people make uh, with their estate planning. So whether you are newly married with young kids, or maybe you're about to retire, this is a good one to listen to. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jenny Ling. Jenny, I so appreciate you being back on the show. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. So we didn't take you off too bad on the last show that you actually said, yeah, sure. I'll come back and talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was, it was a good time. So it's always a, it was always great to come back. Yeah. We, you know, we get, you know, for those of you who didn't hear the first episode that I had with Jenny, you know, Jenny's an estate planner, very well respected here in the Seattle area. And I get questions all the time around estate planning, right? And there's a lot of, I think, myths out there. I think a lot of maybe confusion, right? Just like my industry, your industry has a lot of like jargon language where people are like, what the hell does that mean? Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought it'd be, uh, thought it'd be important to have this conversation um, uh, just because things have happened in my life that, and I think that's what draws people into the estate planning conversation is unfortunately something happens that says, oh, oh crap, I need to get that done. And that could be like your first child being born to like a, a scenario that you actually had to experience because of a family member not having their estate set up. Yeah, we, we, you know, we have clients that come to us for all sorts of reasons. Um, a lot of it is, you know, first child being born. Some of it is, oh gosh, we have had our third child and our oldest is 10. We should finally get around to it. Um, and for some people it's, yes, they have young children and they've been thinking about it, but then what's really triggered them to get it done is because a family member recently died and they saw what happened in that scenario because that family member hadn't done any planning. Yeah. And so that, that causes people to react essentially and say, I need to do something for my family and what I want to get done. And then, and then you've got the people that maybe know that they should do it, or maybe they don't know that they should do it because maybe there's a myth out there in their head that they're thinking, well, I don't have millions of dollars and I'm trying to set up my child as a trust fund baby to use the language that I hear sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so they think I don't need estate planning. I think estate planning has like this bigger monetary value to people. Um, Why do you think that is? You know, I think when people hear the word estate, right. um, They maybe have images of something like, you know, Downton Abbey, right. Or like a large castle or somebody that has millions, but the word estate really just um, comprises of everything that a person owns. Right. Right. Equity in your home, bank accounts, retirement accounts. And so some people have very, very large estates and some people have modest estates, but everybody has an estate. And the other thing is, you know, estate planning is not just about who is going to inherit assets for you. Um, It's also making sure that you have your incapacity planning in place. Um, And the other thing to note, too, is what I've seen is sometimes people 
you know, as we're doing the planning process, um, they find out they actually are going to be um, giving away more than they thought, right? They could be asset rich and maybe feel cash poor. Mm-hmm. Um, life insurance policy also plays into one's estate. So, you know, with life insurance policies, um, many of my clients are surprised that, gosh, my children will be receiving that much. Holy holy cow, we really, you know, we're so glad we're doing this planning because we don't want our kids to each end up with a million dollars and no plan in place as to how that's going to be used. Yeah, I mean, it's, when I'm talking to my clients around it, I kind of explain it as like, look, it's the protection of, of yourself, right? You brought up incapacity type, type documents, right? Power of attorneys go into that. Right. So there's that protection piece of yourself and your family, if God forbid something were to happen, but also, and you were just talking into this, the assets and what you own your estate, who do you want to get it? When do you want them to get it? And how do you want them to get it? Yeah. Cause especially, you know, for my, um, you know, we do a lot of work with families with minor children and if parents don't do any planning, then whatever amount in the estate hasn't been used to raise them, until age 18, once they turn 18, they're going to receive the balance of that inheritance. And so for those parents listening out there, you know, add up the equity in your house, real estate, um, any other real estate that you have, bank accounts, retirement accounts, life insurance, any brokerage accounts. Would you want your 18 year old to suddenly be in 100% control of that? Would they make the decisions that you would want them to make about their life? if they suddenly had access to all that cash. Yeah. So I've got a, I've got a question that just popped in my head here um, that I get sometimes. And the question is, okay, if I passed away and I've got a four-year-old child or someone that's less than the age of 18, let's just keep it high level here. Who would get the assets in that case? Like the life insurance, like how does that all come down? So let's just say the person doesn't have a will. Right. What occurs in that instance? So if you have no will, your estate is going to go through the court process called probate. Um, Probate, um, how that works is going to be, you know, slightly different in each state. Um, But I'll, you know, I am licensed here in Washington. So we'll be talking about here in Washington. Um, If the estate has to go through probate, um, it's going to be in court for, anywhere from four months to a year and a half. Most of the probates I see coming through our office are closer to the year, year and a half mark. Um, The court is going to appoint guardians, but the court is going to appoint persons to be handling the finances for for your children and all of that without your input. Um, And because your estate isn't a go through court, um, anything filed in probate court is a matter of public record. And so if you are concerned um, about privacy um, for your children, for the inheritance they would be receiving from you, then you definitely need to, you know, start thinking about getting some estate planning then to create that privacy. Additionally, um, you know, we we all have accounts and things that we've set up before we had kids, right? Mm -hmm. If you never took the time to update your beneficiary designations, your, your child is not going to receive those assets that have designated other persons as beneficiaries. So um, you really want to at least make sure um, that even if you're not doing any active planning at a minimum, 
get those beneficiaries designated correctly so that at least the money is going to the right person. And then later work with an attorney on the on the how piece and when piece. Yeah, I mean, that's huge, right? Like 401k is, I think, the prime example that most people realize that they list a beneficiary, but they almost forget that they listed a beneficiary or like, you know, life happens like divorce or, or who knows, right? And so you, if you don't keep up to date on that, that money could be going somewhere that you really didn't want it to in the current time. So that's a great example. So, and on top of that, do we really want... I'll speak for myself. I don't want the state having any say and who's watching my kid, who's getting the money. Like, I don't want the state to have any say in that. Sorry. No, no. So. Well, and the thing is, you know, the judge isn't going to know your preferences. They're just going to know what has been presented to them. Um, and it, you know, they're not going to understand your parenting style from another person's parenting style. And, and so, you know, the judge may just say, look, well, this person, you know, they have more financial stability. Let's send the kids there. But that might not be the person you would have wanted to send your kids to because yes, they might have more financial stability, but again, they might not parent the way that you would want. And perhaps your estate actually has enough assets where you don't need to rely on that other person's financial stability anyways. Right. So let's transition to, so we've got, you know, trusts and we've got wills, right? So let's, I think there are, a lot of people that hear those words and they may not understand what each of those actually does for them. Would you, would you mind explaining what's the difference between a will and a trust? Sure. So um, I'll talk about wills and I'll talk about um, trusts in the context of revocable trusts. Um, there are a lot of different trusts out there, um, but um, at an initial level, when people are doing planning, um, we tend to just start with the revocable trust if we're talking about trusts at all. So um a will is an instrument that um, only takes effect when you've passed away. Okay? It's where you would name guardians um, for minor children, and it's where you would list how you would have your assets distributed upon your death. Okay? A will has to go through probate. It is public upon filing. You can do some estate tax planning with that. It is going to be less to set up, okay? but again, remember, your estate would have to go through probate. So then there's the cost on that end of taking the estate through probate. And um, because the estate is going through probate, uh, there's going to be more of a delay of assets getting to beneficiaries. Right. Um, and lastly, um, if you are married, right, and you and your spouse each do a will, um, there's still no assurance that should you be the spouse that's passed away, that your surviving spouse is going to keep the same will, right? They may change the will after you've died, mm-hmm. right? And typically people do will planning with a spouse. They say, okay, if I die, then everything goes to my spouse. And if my spouse has predeceased, then everything goes to my children. And, you know, we are in an age where people live a lot longer than they used to when relationships are, you know, um, change. And, you know, I've had clients who've come to me, and they said, we want to do planning because that's exactly what grandpa and grandma had. And my parents, my uncles, they, and aunts, they received nothing because after grandma passed away and grandpa got everything, he changed his will and gave everything to his new girlfriend. And so the plan didn't go the way the parents right. both intended it to go. Well, and to even take that a step further, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, if I'll give you an example, if my brother and his wife are, are listed as the guardian of my children, 
right? In my head, if my brother divorces his current wife, I no longer want my brother to be the, the guardian of my children. I love my brother, mm-hmm. but as a divorcee who has his own children, I don't think I want him to also have to worry about my children. I would now want the contingent essential person, the contingent guardian in that case to now step in and and be that. And so those are, I think what you're talking about individual planning rather than like a template that you would follow. Yeah. Yeah. We need to take all those things into consideration. And many of my clients, um, you know, have the same sentiment, right? They only maybe want one person in a couple or they only want their children to only go to a couple. Right. Right. Um, and so um, we, we take into account all of those things when we're helping our clients with their planning. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let, let's talk about the trust. You brought up the revocable trust. Yes. So um, we'll talk about revocable trust. Um, the term revocable just means you can change the terms of the trust at any time. Um, a trust is essentially just a contract that you have with yourself about how you want your assets managed during life and how you want your assets distributed upon death. So a revocable trust takes effect when the documents are signed, but they're also only effective for assets that are funded into the trust. So you've got to put assets into the trust. It's not enough just to sign the document. Okay. It avoids probate for the assets that are funded into the trust. And because the assets are funded into the trust, you're going to have privacy of distribution. Nothing becomes a public record. Um, certainly some real estate will, because re- real estate, you know, it's recorded um, you know, with the county in which you reside, but all the other assets that are in the trust um, will be private. Um, we can certainly do tax planning. It is going to be more to set up because there's more work involved. Sure. Um, but essentially, you're doing more of the administrative work on the front end, and so that there's less on the back end for um, your successor trustee to have to work through. And assets are going to be available much, much sooner, just a matter of weeks versus months um, to the beneficiaries. Um, I want to circle back to what I said at the beginning about a trust is about um, a contract that uh, regarding how you want assets managed during life, as well as distributed on death. So a trust is great because it's also um, helpful for incapacity planning. If you place your assets into trust and you become incapacitated, well, your successor trustee can manage those assets mm-hmm. on your behalf. Um, and um, that's something to consider because, you know, people talk about doing powers of attorneys and we still do powers of attorneys, even if there are trust involves for, for various reasons um, that I'm not going to go into too many details here. Um, but I'm sure we've all heard stories of, you know, an elderly person you know, we've actually gotten calls on this, you know, hi, I'm an elderly person and um, this nice neighbor or supposed friend was helping me manage my banking because I was having trouble keeping up with my bills. And so I signed them over a power of attorney and now I have no money. Mm. Right. And if you, if you set up a trust, it's going to take a lot more than just signing a power of attorney for somebody to get access to your funds. So long as you're assets are funded into your trust. And so um, doing a trust is also a great step for um, creating more protection um, in um, when there's incapacity or if you just need somebody else to step in. Right. Yeah. yeah so there, I, I hope what's coming across in this conversation so far is there is no like blank template for the most part that people 
can follow because everyone has their own individual needs, right? I, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are, are in the tech industry, right? And they're married mm-hmm. and, they, and they typically have younger kids. And what each one of those, each one of our listeners has their own individual wants and needs. And to, to say like, what's the priority? Well, the priority should be <laughs> get your documents in order. So if something happened, what you want to happen actually occurs. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's the priority. And, and I'm sure you were going to bring this up. It changes over time, right? I was just talking yeah. with my, my in-laws and they had this will and I, maybe a trust set up that they haven't looked at in like 30 years, right? So things have changed for them and yeah, they kind of want it, want it updated. And it, it like legacy starts to change where you want money start to go changes over time. And it's so important to have that in order. So this isn't unfortunately a set it and forget it document for the rest of your life. No, it's, it really isn't. Um, you know, when we're helping our clients with their estate planning, um, we don't just stop at, you know, you sign your documents and you're done because that's really kind of in a way, the beginning, um, we want to help our, you know, we take steps to help our clients make sure that, you know, their assets are aligned with their planning. We also do a review with our clients every three years, and that's included in the base price. There's no additional charge for that for us to reach out to our clients every three years. And I, um, to make sure that the plan is still going to work for them, because as you said, right, things in people's lives change, um, assets grow, um, the laws may change. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so uh, we do a review with our clients every three years just so to touch base. Right. So that they have peace of mind knowing that, gosh, if they forget to reach out to us, you know, we'll at least touch base with them, you know, every three years. Um, I never want my clients to be in a situation um, where, you know, and I, I hear this a lot. Right. Where, um, gosh, it's been 30 years. And the last time, you know, these parents did their planning was, you know, when they're oldest was born and they have like three kids, right? I've had clients come in and they say, yeah, we told my parents we're doing our planning. And they said, oh gosh, we should check in on ours because your our planning still lists your aunt as your as your guardian. And my client, you know, has kids of their own. Right. Um, and, and so it's important to make sure the form, the, the documents continue to work for you um, throughout your life. So what, is there a number one, like mistake that you, like the people that actually have some sort of estate planning in order or something in place, do you see a common, like, num- like this is the mistake I see all the time? Um, there's no, like necessarily one thing. Um, you know, sometimes it's, gosh, it's been 20 years. Well, I think the mistake was they, they never got around to maybe reviewing and updating over that time. Uh-huh. Um, for some people, you know, they did an online form and then all they have is a will. But as, as we've explained, right, estate planning is more than just who gets my assets when I die. That person became incapacitated. Oh boy, now their family's looking at doing a guardianship proceeding or a conservatorship proceeding. That's going to be anywhere from six to $10,000 to take, to do that or, you know, during capacity planning, it'll be a lot less. Um, and um, 
yeah, I think the mistake is just what people who've done their plan already is that they're not following up um, and um, making sure it's an actual comprehensive plan, right? And um, I hope I've, you know, I try to illustrate that, you know, state planning is not just a piece of paper. Like that alone isn't enough. There needs to be some action and follow-up um, behind that. Yeah, the I, I commonly see the follow-up where I see a client, that client will say, I did X, Y, and Z, but I actually didn't put the accounts in the trust or name the trust as the benefit. Like it's the follow-up, that, like to your point, the action items of just because mm-hmm. the document was signed, you still have right. to do the follow-ups to make sure that what you want to occur actually occurs, <laughs> right? It's huge. So it is. Um, and I love it when my clients, um, you know, work with, with a financial advisor such as yourself, because I know that, you know, for the assets that you have under management, I can, you know, we, we you know, we have our clients set a disclosure if they would want us to, you know, speak with your office. And then I can, you know, meet with you or Alex and just go over, right? Of the things you guys manage, right? This is how we need to do it. And I know you guys will take care of it. And at least that part is done. (laughs) Yeah. The coordination of professionals in our clients' lives are are huge, right? Like think about all the professionals in people's lives, right? You've got maybe the CPA, you've got maybe the financial planner like myself, you've got the estate planner like yourself, Mm -hmm. you've got... I don't know, the brother-in-law who thinks he knows everything, right? You've got all these people that <laughs> are talking to you about your financial situation, yet are any one of these people actually talking to one another? That's huge. It is. It is. That's and huge. I always offer to my clients um, that, you know, I'll have a, I'll, I'll meet with their advisor and, and to discuss, you know, how their plan works with their finances to make sure everything gets aligned. And I don't charge extra for that because I just think it's so central to making sure that my clients have a comprehensive plan. Absolutely. So, so Jenny, I, I so appreciate you being on the podcast again. Um, I think this has been, I hope this is very valuable for, for, for our listeners. Uh, for those of you listening, we're going to put Jenny's contact information in the show notes. So we'll put her website, we'll put her phone number, we'll put an email address. Should you want to reach out to her to have a conversation with her? Uh, Jenny, thank you again for being on the show. We so appreciate it. Right. Thank you again, Ryan, for having me. It's been lovely. Yeah. Awesome. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. 
OSJ333, North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 1531912, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2022-132-997. Expiration January 2024.